Hi everyone, Michelle here. I wanted to touch on a topic today which was a regarding buying financial planning practices and or buying financial planners client banks. Now, two things have happened this week. Two calls from existing clients who have phoned me and said we are thinking of buying a uh, a client bank. Now, my, most of our clients are quite small and therefore are not normally in the space of buying full firms. They like to expand their business, basically buy a client bank, either with or without the financial planner. And that's for various reasons. Growth, scale, economies of scale. Um, they've got younger advisors in the practice that are looking to um, need or need clients, something to kind of cut their teeth into. Um, there's lots of reasons. But, but the bottom line is, is that I'm getting conversations, having calls and having conversations with my clients and our clients who are saying, should I should should we do this? And then they're asking us quite rightly, you know, what should we look out for? Well, that's really like asking how long a piece of string is for starters. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But the thing that I would ask is if you are sitting there as a business and you have made it your mission and your objective as part of your bigger vision to acquire financial planning planners, client banks, then when that opportunity arises, absolutely you go for it. So if that's part of your master plan, if that's part of your long-term strategy to build your business by acquisition, then 100% off the get-go, if you have the money, you go for it and you explore the opportunities. And I'll come back to that in a second. However, what it is appearing to be, um, and we are emotional sorts as financial planners and advisors, and very, very emotionally attached to people, feel empathy incredibly strongly And the last two conversations I've had about buying a client bank have been because of either um, the retiring planner is ill or they just want to retire. And there's there's normally some sort of, not sob story, that's probably a bit strong, but there's always some story, you know, they've tried to sell it before or, you know, nobody wants to buy it internally. There's, there's, always, there's always a drama. There's always a story as to why the selling advisor wants out um, or wants a quick sale or whatever. So my questions to these advisors that are calling up have been, you know, is this part of your strategy? And they say to me, well, no. I just happened to be chatting to X, Y, and Z, and they said that they were looking to sell their client banks, and we thought it would be quite interesting to explore. Fine. Um, If that is the case, um, and unless you have a clear strategy on growing your business by acquisition, I would probably advise not to explore that opportunity, because what effectively is happening, you are being kind of bamboozled with a nice shiny sparkly thing, um, you are being um, attracted or being uh, being wooed by the opportunity that that may bring, um, and you're finding every reason why this is a good thing. Whether you've got the money, it's the right time. But if it was the right time, it would have been part of your strategy. If you have the money and it was the right time, it would have been part of that master plan. So just be mindful as to how these 
opportunities have presented themselves. You know, we could think it was fate and, you know, we wasn't looking, but this perfect opportunity has come across our path. Just tread with caution because very rarely um, have I ever been presented with a situation in the last 22 years where a planner has been bought by a financial planning business on on, on the retirement or through ill health or whatever, and it's been a success because neither had the right position to start with. So I think that's just an important point to see. You know. So what's the reasons behind the purchase? Um, what I would then say is if you look at it and say, well, actually, I think it was part of our strategy um, and we are planning on, you know, doing this. So if you are thinking that this is a good opportunity and you want to explore it further, then 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 go for it. Um, and, you know, in the same conversation as me saying, you know, why do you want to do this? Has this been part of your plan? I am also very encouraging and saying, you know, go for it if you think this is the right thing. But you've got to really think it is. You've got to really know it is. But let's assume for the benefit of this audio that it is. It's the right time. It's part of the strategy. You know, the opportunity has presented itself. It's too good to be to be missed um, and you need to go for it. So the other thing I would say in terms of step two is take all emotion out of it. It doesn't matter if you know the guy. It doesn't matter if he's dying on the spot. It doesn't matter if he's retiring in six years, 10 years, five years, or in three months. The bottom line is that this is a commercial transaction, which is brutally difficult when we are dealing with a highly emotional uh, situation with highly emotional relationships, filtered and littered throughout this whole deal. So it's quite tricky. So you've got to take a commercial approach to this um, project, which we'll call it, because it is that. And it doesn't matter what's been said, um, little chats, off the record chats. Um, it's, it's, it's commercial. It's a commercial business transaction. Now, I know that most financial planners are not natural business men and women. Therefore, this is actually going against your grain. So that would lead me to suggest that you get somebody else involved. Now, that can either be a third party, you know, this is kind of the thing we do, or you get somebody internally who can independently deal with the transaction, if you like, deal with the deal um, with you. So that certain things are that are a bit more uncomfortable to do are dealt with by them. But they've got to have some seniority, really in 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 them to be able to make decisions and have have grown up conversations um about big deal stuff so this is not a job for an administrator that's been with your business for two months this is this is a big deal big deal, big deal conversation so um appoint somebody to work on it with you and then before you even entertain any discussion so the conversation i had recently um we chatted about you know well they're like what's next and i said well do we know about the client do we know um, how old the client is? Do we know about the, the the revenues? Do we know? I mean, I asked a million and one questions, right? And they said, yeah, we've been sent all this information. So what I would say is I said, right, you take that information, and you put it in a drawer and you don't look at it because what you need to decide as a business, the buying business, is exactly what would make this deal perfect. And you list it on a flip chart. Like, you know, perfect client profile. Um, advisor exiting within 12 months, whatever it is, you need to list before you look at any information, before you're swayed and you know, kind of taken down one path, you've got to know exactly what makes this a perfect deal for you. 
And my advice would be then you take that list, you put it in an Excel spreadsheet and you um, kind of, I would say then put those things in the right order, the order of which they are most important to you. So once you've done that, then you start diving in. You've got to know, you've got to literally investigate every single aspect of that client bank. I mean, God, there's, there's lists and this and this, but there's way too much to put on this audio. But you've got to look at the client profile the client potential, the potential in the return on your investment, um, the connectivity between the exiting advisor and the clients, you know, how how moldable are they to not work with him anymore or her anymore? Um, are they used to having a one-to-one relationship with um, the advisor? So when you try and introduce a team to them, it's game over, it's not going to happen. Or, you know, um, do these clients have other advisors um, so that the business is not so sticky? Um, or is it totally sticky that they don't have any other advisors and the advisor does a load of stuff for them, which is never charged for, goes under the radar um, and is basically freebie stuff um, because you'll be expected to continue with that service, even though you're never going to be paid for it. Um, and if you then try and charge the clients for it, they're going to get paid off and then they'll, they'll leave. So you've got to understand every single thing about the clients as they as they live in that box everything around them the implications of the change not just where they live you know we're not talking we don't, we don't, that's that's kind of a secondary point you know the fact that they're spread all over the country well that has implications for your business for example you know you have to then think about servicing them and think about does the advisor visit them in their home you know that the language used um do they have his mobile number i mean all these things You've got to break that relationship down, that current relationship down that that advisor has with that client that you're thinking of buying. Then kind of step out a bit and I would say, you know, what's the advisor's plan? Um, if it's illness or retirement or just he's had enough or she's had enough, you know, what's the what's their motivations to leave and what they're going to do afterwards? So don't just um, don't just take it. Well, I'm, I'm going to retire. Well, what exactly are you going to do? Because you don't want them knocking around or you don't certainly want them saying, yeah, 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 I'll be out by 12 months. And then at 11th month going, oh, well, I might stick around a bit. And, you know, is there a job for me? And because actually there needs to be a timeline and there needs to be a plan for the exiting advisor because um, they need a financial plan. They need a life plan um, because someone who hasn't got enough to do with lots of time on their hand will be an absolute pain in the backside. So you need to get them to have clarity over the end game for them. There's obviously things like, um, you know, is there a role for them going forward? You still want them to hobnob with clients? You know, are they going to be authorised? Are they going to be qualified? You know, there's all those conversations around the individual that's actually exiting. Um, And I would just consider the mental frame of mind of that person and their motivations to exit. If they're not really bought in and it's just an easy, I've had enough and I want to get out, they they could cause you problems later on. So just be mindful of that. And also, um, then obviously just think about the actual transaction. So when's money um, released? When do they want payment? Um, you know, what's the kind of the, the, the kind of remuneration aspect to it? Um, and I would say this. So that then you kind of go into the whole due diligence of the details, like what has the advice been, you know, what's there's the whole due diligence process, which is a whole other uh, minefield, really. But um, what I would say is that um, just just think, um, for example, this particular client of mine was about to spend three hundred thousand pound 
on a client bank acquisition. Well, that's great for the selling advisor, wasn't very well, etc., etc. But I did say to the client, my client, what would you do? And this was actually to only get 80 clients. So they were spending all of this money to get 80 clients, so 80 families. And I said to them, oh my gosh, like if you, if I gave you £300,000, could you secure 80 families? And they're like, absolutely, yeah. And I said, then I would consider doing it. And as soon as I said that, the whole shift of the whole conversation, the whole, the whole point of the conversation had shifted to what it is they were actually trying to do. They were buying clients, obviously, and that's, that's an obvious statement, but the aggravation they were going to have to go through to buy a client bank, the legal repercussions, the costs involved, the due diligence, the legal costs, the accountancy costs, and, 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 all they wanted was 80 clients. And the way that I positioned it then was, this way, buying the client bank, you're buying 80 clients that probably aren't your, your type of people. You know, every client is attracted to an advisor of a similar type of person and vice versa. So the fact that they were going to buy clients off another advisor probably meant that those clients were nothing like their types of clients. However, if they went to market with £300,000, no aggravation, to go and effectively prospect for 80 families they would have way more chance of doing that and attracting those perfect types of clients. And at that moment, the whole conversation shifted. So I think that's that's the takeaway really um, for me. So, you know, all I would say to just close this off is just tread very carefully, think about it. Don't be sucked into any emotional um, kind of pull in terms of the motivations or the stories. This is a commercial business decision and this is probably one of the biggest deals you'll ever make in your life. You know, if this might be the only deal that you ever do in your life in this way, um, don't go into it without any support, without any knowledge, um, because it's like you've dived into the shark's tank. Um, and regardless of whether you're being bought or you are buying, the process is, is quite significant. So, you know, if you, if you are finding yourself in this position, um, this, is, this is the support and help we can give you. Um, and, you know, don't do this on your own. There's no need to, but tread carefully and just think about what you're doing before you dive in buying a client bank.